Hello everybody, it's uh, Alex here again with another one of my uh, podcasts and hello to anybody on YouTube if you are watching as uh, as well. And today I'm delighted to have a um, uh, friend and guest, uh, Delphin Pereira, uh, on the show to, uh, today. Good morning, Delphin. How are you? Hi, Alex. How are you doing today? I, th I think it's Wednesday. Yeah, I think it is. It is Weird Wednesday, or whatever we want to um, uh, to call it. Um, I've known Delphin for um, uh, for a while now, and um, Delphin's kind of background expertise is in the world of uh, sales enablement uh, in the round, which I know is a big kind of topic of conversation in in sales currently and has been for uh, for a while. So I thought it'd be great to get Delphin on and just you know pick his brains, get his insights and experience around all of this and um let's just see where this uh, this goes so uh Delphin, over to you a bit of bit of background and introduction to uh, to yourself if you would sure so Delphin pereira i've been in sales sales leadership and sales enablement roles for approximately 30 years i've worked both within corporate organizations but i've also worked for consulting organizations so had the huge had a huge opportunity to work with many B2B, B2C and B2B2C clients. Um, I, there are three things that I'm deeply passionate about in the work that I do. Number one, I like to help clients make the most impactful buying decisions because there's a lot of choice out there. Um, I love to coach and mentor sales leaders to inspire greater discretionary effort from their sales teams, having been a salesperson once myself. And I love to help sellers effectively differentiate and be relevant to so we had a bit of an internet breakup there what was that last bit you mentioned the last point so it's very much helping sellers for me sales is one of the one, one of the toughest roles in the world i've been a salesperson for many yeah. years myself it's finding different ways to help sellers effectively differentiate and be relevant to their clients in a in, in a world of ever greater competition and, and commoditization so with this, so those three points you've just um uh raised you kind of preempted my next question sure is that how you would describe what sales enablement is or is there something more to it than than those three those three points so I think they are three of the very key components. I think you and I are both aware of a, a huge amount of research out there about why customers buy and why customers don't buy. Yeah. Research from organizations like uh, CB Gartner, you'll know that clients are very often up to two thirds of the way through the buying journey before. I'll use the word here, any meaningful interaction with a sales uh, organization. So, for example, um, clients can learn on their own because of the proliferation of digital information. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, as an organization, you've got to be equipped to provide clients with some type of insight. If I'm a potential client and I can learn on my own, the last thing I need as a salesperson when I engage them to show up and tell me something I can find out on my own. So, we very much talk about this concept of insight and insight when done well is really uh, an organizational capability. It's not an individual capability. It requires the support of sales, sales leadership, marketing, product development, et cetera, and so on, because most organizations don't have differentiation as much as they like to think they do. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a lot of research out there that um, coaching is one of the 
most important sales leadership attributes. There are, there are other key attributes, but the ability of sales leaders to, to coach their sales team and um, this really interesting concept that I think will become more relevant with, with COVID, this concept that Gartner calls deal innovation, which is an interesting form of coaching where the manager doesn't know the answer, the seller doesn't know the answer, the client probably doesn't know the answer, but it's how do you innovate for the client? And then from a, from a salesperson, I, I really do believe that there are a huge amount of skills that you can, skills, knowledge, behaviors, competencies, and processes you can teach salespeople. But for me, value is something that is client-centric. Mm-hmm. And for as long as you remain in the value zone as a salesperson, you should, in theory, be client-centric and then hopefully aligning your solution to what they care about the most. So that that's so really insight coaching and 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 value for me are three of the I would describe them as the the key pillars. They're not the only pillars, but if you do those well and they're at the core of any sales enablement strategy, you're not going to stray too far, too wrong, too quickly. And I think that's an interesting you know concept or viewpoint there around the around the insight piece is actually mm. an organizational piece in order for it to, to truly work the organization has to work as one to 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 drive that um insight you can't just rely on you know marketing creating something or you can't just no. rely on product creating something everybody's right. kind of actually got to talk together and i guess that's kind of part of maybe the deal innovation piece um is mm-hmm. uh, how do we innovate together to kind of get to that um uh, that end, uh, that end result, which is, is, is that's an interesting dynamic because you know I've been in sales all, all my life, and you know, I remember back yes. I used to recruit salespeople way back when, mm-hmm. and sometimes you just felt you were hiring cannon fodder, and they were replaceable, and it was just you know, and it just you know part of the machine, just point, there are your numbers, that's what you do, go do and um, uh, and sell. Of course, yes. this time before <laughs> before the interweb. Um, and then LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn came uh, came along, kind of started to change all of this, and also the, the internet on the um, mm. uh, on the wider piece. And then, for do you think in order to be successful in sales enablement, you have to have been in a sales role your yourself to because you then walk the walk? That's a really interesting question. I get asked that a lot. I think it's one of those. Uh, and I've worked with them, some enablement people and some consultants that have never sold, but they are fantastic at enablement. Mm-hmm. Um, I've equally found sometimes, and I remember myself as a skeptical salesperson when I was being trained by an enablement person, my, my kind of suspicious brain kept on asking me the question, has that person ever carried a bag? Can they give me an example? Yeah. So, so I've worked with both. I, I would say um, from personal experience, I think sometimes that question can be more relevant at the sales leadership level because if you're in an enablement role and one of your key audiences to grow and develop is the sales leadership team it's kind of quite hard to build that credibility if you haven't been in that role or demonstrated capability Mm. in that role because you know they will probably quite rightly in many instances say but you know you've been in situation you know as someone who's been in a sales leadership role myself for many years it's one of the hardest jobs 
You've got the pressures coming down from the sales team. You've got to hit the number. You've got pressure coming from above. And um, I just think that sometimes there is a, a certain level of credibility you bring if you've done the role that in some instances might be the diff one of the differentiating factors as to whether you're going to be successful. But then again, I have worked with people that have, have been in other roles, but they've also been equally successful. I think it depends how you set yourself up and, yeah. and equally nobody has the answer to everything. So if you are uh, in sales enablement and there are a couple of areas that you are not particularly strong at, um, great research from Gartner about connector leadership, mm -hmm. which is find and surround yourself with the people who are the best at certain knowledge, skills, processes, and build that network around you. Nobody has the answer to every question. So work with those and build the network. And then you are enabling those that may actually be better placed than you to support. So kind of leave the ego at the door and do what's right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, that's a really interesting concept, and it and again, that's where you know technology can help um, kind of support that through Yammer, which I think now is morphed into Teams. You've got mm -hmm. Slack, you've got um, other products like Profinder, not the LinkedIn Profinder, a company called um, Profinder, ending in NA that kind of do all this because you. It doesn't matter, no matter what your role is. I'm, in my yeah. you know PwC, huge organization, law firm of around 2,000 people, big, JLL, mm -hmm. 50,000 people. But you always would go to the people you always go to because they're the people that are, you physically, can physically see them in, in, in the office or you have yes. to bump into them at the water cooler. Obviously, you can't do that at the moment. Yes. But the beauty with kind of these technology platforms is that you can then start to find knowledge in the company that you didn't even know existed from it could be from the it team it could be from it could be you yes. know a personal assistant it could be the chief exec in terms of knowledge to help i guess it comes kind of full circle back to the um the deal innovation uh, mm. kind of piece is kind of bringing in all that different knowledge and insights to yes. think and do things um do things differently but then that requires i've seen some debate at the moment whether sales enablement should be centralized or decentralized um, around different thinking and dare I say this in a polite way there are some <laughs> sales leaders out there who've been in the game for 20 30 years think they know it all yeah don't want to be told otherwise yes I know and some of them <laughs> manage in a in a certain way that then that yeah. culture is then is, is pushed through the sales function to behave and let's say some lawyers or accountants you know it's, it's, mm. it's the same in terms of well i do do what i do what i do so yeah. that's how they're behaving so this is how i'm going to yeah. behave but that said you know i do remember back in my recruitment days i remember interviewing a senior leader from microsoft mm -hmm. and you know he said to me that i want my salespeople to be better sellers than me because i want to keep yes. them hitting number i'm in i'm i want to go up the greasy pole but I don't want to promote salespeople if they don't want to be promoted because they're good sellers, because if mm -hmm. all they want to do is hit their numbers and what that means as a collective, my role is easier because I'm hitting my collective number and then I can move up the, um, the management tree. So I don't care if they're earning mm -hmm. you know, more money than me from commission. That means I'm doing the right job in motivating mm -hmm. them to help us achieve the, um, the, the, the collective, which was, it was a rare, a rare occasion when, you know, back in the day where it was kind of the Glen Gary, Glen Ross, greed is good <laughs> approach to, um, uh, mm -hmm. to selling. 
So, I uh, Alex, I received that advice as a, um, a young sales manager when I was back at Thomson Reuters. And, and I've always remembered that piece of advice was, you know, Delphim, hire people that make you look good. Yeah. And at the time I was hiring salespeople. And it's actually to celebrate and embrace that because when you, when you, when you are a sales leader, your, your role changes in a sense. As an individual contributor, you spent a lot of time coaching the deal you know, mm -hmm. if you were leading with insights, et cetera, and so on. And then you've got to take that shift to coaching the person who's going to close the deal. And it does require a, a different skill set. And uh, I took that on board and it actually helped me. Um, it stopped that hiring bias that I think you mentioned earlier. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of hiring bias where sales leaders will think, well, sounds like me. Looks like but actually that's a recipe for um failure in a sense because yeah. you're going to be overweighted on certain strengths and then there are going to be certain areas that, that you and many members of your members of your team are not that good at so i completely agree with you hire people that can do things better than you can do but you know back to this piece around coaching and mentoring your role is to help bring the best out of them um as, as you onboard them and, and and partner with them agreed yes Absolutely. But, and it's this kind of coaching and mentoring thing is that, that that in itself is that's not an easy thing to do. And it's kind of what I did internally. And then the last mm. kind of what, almost four years now at the end of 2020, that this is mm. I kind of see myself as you know, when people say, what do you do? It's actually more, more change management consulting rather than yeah. sales training or social media training or social selling training or whatever you want to do it. Because yeah. it's actually that coaching the individuals to understand how to think and do things differently to actually still achieve the same output mm -hmm. i think that's what all of this is about for me in terms of if we just kind of strip sales back to what it is and it's fun in the basics what are you trying to do start a business conversation with somebody to mm -hmm. sell something mm -hmm. and that will remain true forever and a day until the robots um, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. take over when you look at sales enablement automation and sales engagement technology we can touch on that in, in a minute mm -hmm. what is obviously for me fundamentally changed is the process to get to that same output so mm -hmm. in my recruitment days when you know leading with insights all that kind of stuff leading with insight is my 30 second elevator pitch when i got through yes and the reason i was calling and i was calling from a recognized brand so i, I haven't heard of alexander lowe but I've heard of Michael Page International, so mm -hmm. I'm going to give you another 30 seconds on the phone to give you a pitch and see, you know, see kind of what's um, what's what. You fast forward to today, and don't get me wrong, cold calling still has its place. There is mm -hmm. still a place. There's still a market where absolutely it's the it's the place to um, the place to do and the thing to do, and it's the right thing to uh, to do. But the other end of the spectrum, when you're doing, you know, kind of dare I say, it, our world, bigger, more complex, high mm -hmm. value um, propositions you have to take a completely different um, approach, which requires a fundamentally different skill set, dare I mm -hmm. say, in selling. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, and I dare I say, when you're working with a lot of companies still, um, there is still this, even with the, the, dare I say, the younger generation, mm -hmm. there is still this kind of, point at that number hit that number that's all you you focus on mm. and do that over, over a quarterly or a monthly basis and i know that there's some you know ey i've been publishing some stuff on this andrew huff from the um 
association of professional sales have been publishing stuff around yes. you know, money is actually the one of the worst levers to yeah. get people to um uh to do things then on top of that you have all these different technology platforms and things to do and again a client should remain nameless some of their only user like do you want me to spend time inputting stuff or do you want me to spend time <laughs> selling you, you you make the choice here because if you want to manage me by inputting stuff i can spend all day inputting stuff but then i can't actually do what you're paying me to do which is going to have conversations with people i'm sure i've used that line many times in my career alex to my boss yeah <laughs> so what's what's in terms of we agree on the the the, the process of sales is the same but to get to that end result has changed mm. does let's focus on the, on the technology piece is the technology bit part of what sales enablement should be doing or not so technology platforms so i'm thinking I, like I, outreach yes. uh, sales loft sales navigator yeah. you know all these kind of add-ons to yeah. kind of the crm system and the sales process so I absolutely think technology has a, a really, really important um, uh, role to play if used um, correctly. I think if you, back to just how you describe sales for many industries, uh, however you leverage technology, sales is still the relationship business. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's how you use technology. And I know you're a, a huge fan of um, uh, LinkedIn Navigator and other forms of social selling. I listened to your uh, your, um, your your webinar for APS, and uh, you just have to look at some of the stats around how, if you leverage technology, you can actually generate better leads more quickly. In fact, I just uh, just prior to this call, I um I, I found a few data points. I'm just going to read out to you that. Um, uh, according to a recent reports, 73% of sellers using social selling outperform their peers. Mm -hmm. And to use social selling, you're going to need some form of technology. 54% yep. uh, can track back social selling actions to at least one deal. And 11% close more than five deals. I think the interesting piece is you can use technology and um, such platforms to, let's say, get more quickly to the people that you want to have a conversation with. Mm -hmm. But I think, oops, excuse me, got my earpiece. If you think back to our conversation earlier, um, if you're leveraging, let's say, LinkedIn Navigator or some other form of social selling and you are being referred in, yeah. don't fall back into the, I'm here to tell you about my product and my service. Actually, connect back to that. Give them art point of view so technology will probably get you more quickly to the right people and in yeah. many instances um, most salespeople prefer a warm lead technology can help you identify a warm lead in the ways that you described in your webinar um, remember though even where a lead might be warm because the person that you've been referred to has been learning on their own through that buyer journey mm -hmm. they may have been learning in a way that's advantageous to you depending upon your digital footprint yeah. but they may have been learning in a way that's disadvantageous to you so actually in that interaction you may have to unteach them or reframe their perspective i think that's a i i suppose i've never thought about it from that point yeah of view. yeah it could have been learning in a way that is not to your advantage exactly because of what they've read from maybe maybe competition yes read an article that's out of date or correct like, I mean, that's 
because you're in fact you make you make an assumption that i completely agree with you it's, it's the um I think the classic example when um based on the, the CEB as was data, the 54% of blah, blah, blah is done mm -hmm, before mm -hmm. you, what have you. And I yes. get the example of um, buying a car. When you buy yes. a car, you probably know more about that car and that model than the salesperson does. Yeah. The last thing you want to be doing when you go into the showroom is to be yeah. told what you already know about the car. Yeah. Um, and then if and you put intent data and, and, and so on, but it's an... And in that instance, Alex, if you think about buying a car, if you think back to the last time you bought a car and your journey, um, the role of the salesperson probably when you went into the showroom was order fulfillment. Yeah. Your role was to get the biggest discount. And if that person started to talk to you about features and benefits, you've already decided what yeah. stitching you want in the seats. So, so the point is that when you, um, and I think that there's a double piece here. Um, and I think you and I had um, when you think about referrals, yeah. are you going to ask the contact to refer you or are you going to equip with that person to start the conversation on your behalf? Because they will, at that point, probably still have more credibility than you. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, it can't just be, oh, hey, um, I really, this person, John at Microsoft, I'd like to have a chat with them. I think you need to partner with the person who's going to refer you in to start to shape that point of view. Yep. Because initially, well, actually, first of all, number one, that person is more likely to interest the person that you want to talk to. And secondly, they're more likely to shape it or start that process of unteaching. So I think it yeah. needs to be thought about um, in that point of view. And then I think, um, you know, as you are, as you are, I guess, as a sales leader setting up your sales team, it's good to think about how your sellers and their use of technology, et cetera, and so on, should be reflected into some type of measurements or key performance indicators, because we all know that you know, the top three are hit your number, your securials, et cetera, and so on. Mm -hmm. But if you do it well, you can actually set up some KPIs around kind of the digital footprint that you are creating. And I don't think, not too many organizations think about that. Back to your point, which yeah. was um, hit your number. And, and interestingly, one of the reasons that I think that is still happening is that if we come back to uh, sales leaders you've got sales leaders that are managing different generations mm -hmm. so as a sales leader now you have a double a triple a quadruple maybe even a greater jump um, when you were selling you probably were in some instances selling where product knowledge was king so yeah. part of your role like the car salesman was to educate Um, you're now likely I think it's um, I thinking back to uh, Andy Huff's email I think it was something like 48% of the workforce today are Millennials now I don't know what percentage of Millennials are being managed by Millennials yeah but um, you know because Millennials have different preferences and bias and want education etc and so on but if you're a manager and you are you move from kind of the more the product selling to the to, to, to leadership, your, your coaching style is likely to be number one, a bit outdated. And number two, you don't actually understand the preferences. And um, <laughs> I spoke to um, one of the first things that I did when I moved into sales enablement was take a, an ICF coaching accreditation because I knew it was going to be critical for me. Yeah. And I remember asking my ICF coach, why is it so difficult for sales leaders 
to be good coaches. And I sort of asked the question and the room went silent, kind of waiting for the, the verdict and the judgment. And she said to me, I think it's because they are gifted in the art of persuasion. And it's one of the hardest skills to unlearn. So you've basically got sellers being set out to hit the number. Mm -hmm. No kind of thought, just hit the number. Don't care how you hit the number. So they're probably be, not being encouraged to experiment and measured on some innovative social selling technology strategies that we know yield results. They haven't got the skills to, to, to coach them because they've never sold to this degree of complexity. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've now got the situation with this, you know, this piece around COVID where a lot of sales managers um, were used to measuring productivity and were their salespeople um, doing all the right things by patrolling up and down the office. And now they've suddenly been, they've been, we've all been moved into this digital world. How do you determine what good productivity to each other through a screen? And, and I know some sales managers that are really struggling with that because yeah. They haven't got those physical keys because that's how they grew up and that's how they were managed. And then you've got, you know, clients. Um, what do we do now? You know, we've got this really interesting situation around COVID and sales leaders like salespeople are all struggling with the same things. I've been furloughed. Am I going to lose my job? My clients, am I going to lose my clients? And we, we hear about these, you know, we, we've got to be empathetic with our clients and all of these great things. But interestingly, a salesperson can walk into a very damaging situation unintentionally. And again, I'm, I'm, I still remain very fascinated with, with the Gartner research, having worked there for five years. But um, there's a school of thought that now says, and I believe I heard it on a couple of APS webinars, that probably the most damaging question you, could, you can possibly ask a client is, I'll help you, because many won't know. And in the absence of not knowing, they will probably say, oh, can you extend my payment terms or can you give me a discount? Yeah. And whilst you want to help them, that's probably not why you called. So back to this piece around insight, you need to be approaching them with, hey, it's a really tough situation at the moment. I've, you know, I've been thinking about how organizations like yourself are impacted and I've got some thoughts and some ideas of how to possibly navigate out of this. So you kind of put that coach consultant hat on yeah um but again there will be people within an organization there'll be you know some i would say some sales leaders that didn't grow up in the world of social selling and and and, and will struggle with this type of thing you know that's why i think a, a a lot of the great research that's put out there by the aps and yourself and your colleagues at dla it actually helps organizations to rethink what the parameters of because it is a, it's a tough world and, and you know as we shared earlier sale, doing sales well is one of the well is one of the toughest roles in the world so by all means technology should definitely be used as an enabler where possible and i know some organizations can primarily sell based upon a digital journey but i guess we are all primarily in the relationship business and when you have the chance to flex that relationship uh, to quote one of my former sales managers don't be boring come in with an insightful point of view that might help them rethink the way that they are thinking about a problem um, maybe teach them something unexpected but ultimately 
make them smarter about their business. That's what the purpose of using technology should be to, to gain access if you are being denied because clients are learning on their own. It's a really fascinating um, space and uh, there, there are going to be lots of twists and turns in the next months, in my opinion, as organizations and clients figure out what the, new, the, the, the so-called new normal is going to be like. I, I agree and I think that it's an interesting, you know, interesting point around what you raise on how you approach, even your existing client base around how can I help, it's, you're right, flip it. I'm talking to other people in your space, these are the sort of problems they're sharing, yes. this is how we think. Um, but it's back to the deal innovation piece, right? Right at the beginning. Correct. Let's, why, why don't we collaborate on this? Why don't we work through this together? And mm. um, I read a brilliant book called Getting Naked by mm. Patrick Lencioni. And it's a, he calls it a business fable on two consulting firms. And the larger one acquires a small one, can't understand mm -hmm. why the small one is more profitable and better, blah, blah, blah. And also it's because their approach is they consult from day one. So mm -hmm. they don't go in with a huge pitch deck in terms of tell. They just go in, just sit down, ask some questions, and start consulting from, from day one. And what that enables yep. their, the client to do is then get a sense of this is how we operate. Mm -hmm. You're already, uh, very use this phrase very carefully, adding value mm -hmm. to, the, um, to, to the business. And then their view was, uh, if that client then try and, took, try and took that first hour or two hours of consulting for free, do it themselves you know we mm. probably didn't want to work with you anyway inversely the client goes this is brilliant yeah happily yeah. pay your fees at xyz because i now know yeah what i'm getting yeah. and this whole kind of getting naked is kind of part of my my mantra if you will um yeah. just straight off the bat just go in and just help in mm -hmm. terms of this is my expertise. This is my understanding of your market, your industry, your, what goes on. This is what I'm doing with other firms. I think this might work for you. If yeah. it doesn't, let's learn on the um, let's learn on, learn learn together on this uh, this journey. And I think the interesting thing, Alex, to if you think about that in the COVID setting, is uh, you know help you know help us understand what have been some of the changes to your business process, your supply chain. You know how, how is COVID impacting this at the moment? Uh, when you think about the strategy you had in place, what are you having to do to change that? The conversations we've had before, you know, how have they changed? And then kind of gather what they're struggling with and then connect it to, well, interestingly, you know, we've spoken to other clients about this and here's their hypothesis of how they're going to move away from this. Yeah. So, you, so you're trying to understand what's different, what's changed, what's challenging, but also, you know, in a sense, you as a salesperson probably speak to more people in their role than they do. Yep. So therefore, what have you learned from others you've been speaking to? And you give them a hypothesis and, and you know, they may say, tell me more, or it might be actually, do you know what? It's not quite like that, but actually it's more like this. Either way, yep. you're having what I call that um, conversation of equals, which yep. is, this is, and that's kind of what, what deal innovation is. Nobody knows the answer, but you're, you know, you're engaging with super smart people to kind of understand how to move forwards. And I think that will, you know, people are saying, should you be selling now? Should you not? And I think there's a case for, and there's a case not. And there are some organizations that are doing incredibly well at the moment yeah. because of COVID. But 
by what you want as a result of those interactions is for the client to say, do you know what? Every time Delphine or Alex wants a conversation, I'm going to have a conversation with them because we're going to yeah. be talking about my business and I think they're going to make me smarter. Yeah. And then you're kind of setting the foundation and then, Hey, guess what? If the very awkward conversation with the takes place about products and services they need to cut costs, you're probably going less likely to be on that list because yeah. you are not viewed as a, you're viewed as a trusted partner, not a transactional vendor who can actually maybe, help them get out of the way and you will have also reasserted the value of what you're providing if it's an existing client so it's a very kind of delicate uh balancing act but i think it's still good to adhere to some of the to, to some of those principles around being client-centric and insightful in everything that you bring even if there's not an immediate opportunity that might be three or four months down the road 100 percent, and i think what this is forcing organizations to actually be client-centric because we you know people talk about being client-centric for ever and a day but you look yeah. at their websites me 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 you look at their profiles it's me, me yes me. look at the marketing outreach it's all me 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 rather mm-hmm. than actually focusing on the the, the individual yes. and you know interestingly what it's, it's, it's a separate sector um the kind of feedback i'm seeing on twitter mm-hmm. from from general counsel is that actually they don't want another webinar updating on force majeure they want no. the lawyer to pick up the phone and just ask how they're doing yeah a human conversation yes and those that are doing that versus those that are kind of having to go Oh my god and this comes into the you know the, the coaching piece in terms of mm-hmm. what marketing that others should be should be doing Mm-hmm. In, to your point, six months' time will be the ones that are remembered versus those when the panels have to be reduced. Same yeah. as a vendor, you know, vendor supplier list, etc., needs to be re- yeah. uh, reduced. Um, those that the ones that show some, dare I say, human empathy, will be yeah. re- remembered. And it goes back. To, it's and again, this goes back to back to my recruitment days. I remember uh, BT big account and it was one division and this HR BT had very strict rules in terms of how you engage with them. Um, mm-hmm. No speculative CVs do not go to the sales directors directly. You have to go through, through HR. And this lady had said to me, um, mm-hmm. just call me every quarter, just call mm-hmm. me every quarter. And um, if there's something going great. And uh, that's what I did. I did mm-hmm. that for the best part of 18 months. Mm-hmm. Nothing came. And then out of the blue, I got this phone call from her going, um, you are the only consultant on my list that did what I told you to do. So I now <laughs> want to run a national campaign, advertise, and I want you to be the sole consultant to wow. run it. I then had to go internally and go, look, I can't d- disseminate this across the country. Mm. She only wants me to run it. And that led me to basically break the quarter in yeah. Michael Page International for Sales because what did I wow. do? I yeah. just did what the client told me to do. And yeah. it was a waiting game, but the waiting game paid, you know, paid huge dividends in the, um, uh, in, in, in the end. So I, I, I think it's very, um, research about, you know, how to help clients navigate through COVID prospects and also our own internal teams. And you're absolutely right. Um, empathy is really important. You know, for me, I think empathy and humility, um, and authenticity, I think, are really important. Um, and I think if you add that back to what we've just described with a point of view mm-hmm. that's designed to help the client, I think you're likely to be having more problem-solving conversations um, 
and from from their point of view just as you described with your example you're going to be viewed as somebody that becomes an extension of their kind of decision-making team or their decision-making process yeah you are genuinely focused upon them you've kind of built built that trust versus oh you know how are things you know what can i do for you which you know in the right setting might be the right things to do clients just the different type of insight at the moment and it's less about long-term strategic insight which is what a lot of people have been selling with you know multi-year solutions it's about how am I going to navigate through the next one to two months? Yeah. So a lot of strategic insight um, has now, or sorry, a lot of um, insight that would have been viewed as tactical is now being viewed as strategic because yeah. of the situation a lot of clients are in. Yeah. 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 Awesome. That has been, we've had a few pops and crackles with the internet connection, but I think we've been, um, we've been all right. That's been a fascinating, I think we, you and I could talk about this topic for uh, certainly forever and a day. Um, where can people find you, connect with you, anybody that's listening to this, watching to this, they find out how you can help them in their sales enablement journey. What's the best, where's the best place? Sure. So probably connect with me on LinkedIn. Perfect. Um, I'm pretty visible, pretty available. Have a chat. I, I can support with, uh, I can support myself through, through my own limited organization, but I, you know, I work also with other, organizations like yourself with the APS so have a large networker back to this piece around connector yeah um, if I don't have the answers I partner with organizations and super smart people that do have the answers okay awesome I'll put the link to um, your uh, your LinkedIn profile in uh, in the YouTube video and on the um, on the the podcast but Delphin as always it's a pleasure I really enjoy um, talking with you and learning new new things I'm gonna stick with me in terms of just have that in the back of your mind they may have learned in a way that's disadvantageous to you rather than yeah. advantageous. And you may need to, um, to unteach the hypothesis, hypothesizing around, well, this is yep. what other clients have said. This is, do you mm. think this to help kind of lead and guide the conversation? Yeah. I think for me, those kind of two points really, really stood out. Yeah. Um, everyone, as always, thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate the uh, support. If you want to be on the podcast, you know what to do. Just hit me up, find me on uh, whatever platform. Um, mention this if you're reaching out to Delphin, but otherwise, Delphin, thank you very much. Thank you for the time, Alex. Always a pleasure, and uh, really enjoy partnering and working with you. And uh, love listening to you when when the kind of the roles are reversed, as Great. I have done on many occasions. <laughs> I appreciate it. And uh, everybody, I will uh, see you next week with another guest. But um, until now, stay safe, keep well. Thank you.